Welcome into Historical Baptist FC, life and ministry from a historical Baptist perspective. I'm Robert Klotz, pastor of First Baptist Church of Talladega. I'm Heath Walton, associate pastor of First Baptist Church of Talladega. I guess I should have said senior pastor. I don't know if that matters. It doesn't. It's okay. fine. All right. You're going to ask me the all-important question of the day. What does FC stand for? You remember to ask this time. No, you I just reminded, reminded you me. to ask. Uh, today, FC stands for fastidious conservatives. You're going to have to define that one. So fastidious is uh, an attention to detail. Definitions are important. Oh, I was talking Um, about conservatives. uh, Conservative, yeah, I think we need to define that too. To be fastidious conservatives, we need to even talk about what we're talking about with conservatism. Um, And in general, um, what I mean is theological conservatives. Um, That is, we we hold tightly to the Word and what it says and a literal interpretation of the the Word of God and and what it says. That's the definition of a conservative and a biblical conservative. Uh, But in particular, um, we'll be addressing pretty significantly today our our viewpoint of um, a conservative view of Southern Baptist Convention politics. Doesn't that sound like fun? It does to me. Uh, we have uh, talked about from the outset of this podcast the desire to make this a useful and helpful resource uh, and a desire to remain uncontroversial. And today we might be flirting with the line as we wade into the murky waters of SBC controversy. A desire to remain uncont- uncontroversial does not necessarily mean that we won't ever dive into it. Um, in fact, a lot of times I think it's necessary um, just the se- for the sake of being uncontroversial. I think it's it's a good desire. You know, we, we do actually desire to be at peace with all people so far as it depends on us. But but sometimes Did you read that somewhere. Yeah, I read that somewhere. Uh, but sometimes I think you have to step into these sort of waters and, and wade in because some things just actually need to be said and, and some perspectives need to be brought out that. Uh, maybe weren't thought of prior. Um, so I have, if you hear a lot of paper rustling, it's because I have before me an 11-page document um, called a report to the SBC Executive Committee by the ERLC Study Task Force, submitted January 16th, 2021. So um, this is fairly recent. It's been publicized. You can download it in PDF form from a variety of places. I found a link on Twitter, um, downloaded it, printed it off, and, and wrote a bunch of notes and underlined some stuff. Um, so let's talk just a little bit about, um, I don't know, maybe give like, maybe we'll spend five minutes on some background information, and then I guess we'll just sort of comb through this page by page. Uh, this may end up becoming eight episodes, but hopefully not. Um, hopefully we can we can get through most of this. Um you want to give maybe some, I guess we should start with some background just on the controversy. So, um, no, you're going to be doing most of the talking. All right. So let's, let's start with definitions. So already we've said executive, executive committee and ERLC, which we'll probably refer to as EC and ERLC, just to be really confusing throughout our time, uh, during this podcast. So let's start with talking about what the EC is, the executive committee, um, this is straight from sbc.net. You can find um, entity descriptions and definitions there uh, on the Southern Baptist Convention webpage. Uh, the executive committee exists to minister to the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention by acting for the convention ad interim in all matters not otherwise provided for in a manner that encourages the cooperation and confidence of the churches, associations, and state conventions and facilities maximum, or excuse me, and state conventions and facilitates, I messed that up, maximum support for worldwide missions and ministries. 
Here's the most important thing, and here's why it's relevant uh, to this conversation in particular. The most important thing the executive committee exists to do is to represent the messengers to the Southern Baptist Convention during the remainder of the year when the Southern Baptist Convention technically does not exist. Repeat that again about who they represent. So the Southern Baptist Convention, of course, only technically exists two to three days a year when they are in convention. So technically right now that's two days a year, if, I'm, if I've got my timelines correct. If you subtract the pastor's conference, I think that's two official business days when the Southern, Baptist is, when the Southern Baptists are in convention. Um, that is when they exist. That's when all business must be done. But we also recognize, as Southern Baptists did, that some other... Um, business is going to have to be handled all throughout the year when we're not in convention to handle it. And so the executive committee exists to represent the convention as a whole when not in convention, which means they are the spokespeople for and representatives of the messengers to the convention who are the spokespeople for and representatives of the churches that send them as messengers. In other words, the executive committee serves to represent you, Southern Baptist, um, during the remainder of the year when you are not in convention with the rest of Southern Baptists gathered from around the world uh, in and as representative messengers to the convention. So that's what the executive committee exists for and to do. It's a very important role. It is especially important in 2020 and 2021 because there was no 2020 convention. Um, the convention missed a year of assembling together, and so the executive committee has had to do even more work to represent us because there was no in-person convention where the messengers convened to represent the churches and do the business of Southern Baptists in cooperation together. Um, so their role took on, you know, as a lot of entity roles did, but especially the executive committee has taken on a, sort of a, a larger, more substantial role when we weren't able to convene together as a Southern Baptist Convention uh, this past year. Um, Southern Baptists have several entities that also conduct business um, with a variety of um, areas of focus. So uh, Guidestone Financial Resources, the International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, uh, our six seminaries. The Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission is another one of those entities, the ERLC, as we'll talk about it um, th throughout uh, this episode. Uh, this is the definition, again, from sbc.net. The Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission exists to be a catalyst to connect the agenda of the kingdom of Christ to the cultures of local congregations for the sake of the mission of the gospel in the world. Now, let me just be up front. To, this probably already sets a fairly controversial tone from the outset uh, at this point. As I read that definition of the ERLC, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, at least as it relates to what that entity's purpose should be. Yes. All other entities exist to represent Southern Baptists in accomplishing certain tasks. So the International Mission Board exists to represent Southern Baptists in commissioning and sending and placing and supporting missionaries overseas. The North American Mission Board exists to represent all Southern Baptist churches in North American missions efforts, um, from associational missionaries to church planting and all manner of other missions that are here in North America. They um, they represent Southern Baptists cooperating to together to do more than we could do as individual churches doing the work that, that we have cooperated to do. 
when I read that definition of the ERLC, it already makes me stop and think, wait a minute, shouldn't the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission exist to represent Southern Baptist, in, um, Southern Baptist interests and positions in the political realm? The ERLC functions politically. So the definition there seemed a little backwards. It, it does. So a catalyst to connect the agenda of the kingdom of Christ to the cultures of local congregations sounds like they're then going to define for us what the kingdom agenda of Christ is and then communicate that to us, which is not actually the way anything works in Southern Baptist life. No. Um, Southern Baptists have entities to communicate what we as Southern Baptists understand the kingdom agenda to be to the world around us in particular realms. So again, the commissioning of missionaries overseas and throughout North America, um, the training of seminary students through our six seminaries, abiding by the Baptist faith and message, our statement of faith as Southern Baptists, these are the convictions we hold. We're going to train you in accordance with those convictions. All of that representing Southern Baptists to the world in these specific avenues. When we read that definition, it's, yeah, it, again, we're going to try to give some grace throughout, but already the definition sounds a little a little backwards, backwards because in the Southern Baptist life, with the autonomy of the local church, uh, and and several thousand uh, autonomous local churches coming together in cooperation, uh, I don't want to say the power because that sounds weird, but the churches, local churches, the authority should be dictating right what is. Uh, represented in the world, uh, and therefore that sounds like someone else is dictating to us what we should think when really they should just be speaking as representatives on behalf of local churches, of the Southern Baptist Convention of Churches. Correct. So authority rests in the local church, not exactly. at a higher hierarchy. The, the highest authority, and the, uh, I, oh man, we're going to take eight episodes to get here. It's fine. Um, the highest authority in the Southern Baptist Convention is John and Janice and Julian and Hugh and the average members of our church who attend Sunday after Sunday and participate in the various ministries in our Faithful local church and, and then commission messengers to go to the Southern Baptist Convention. These church members dictate what the Southern Baptist Convention does, not vice versa. And that's important in, in all, of our, uh, all of our structure denominationally. It's it's the exact opposite of everything every other denomination does throughout Christendom, right? Um, we do things differently, and we do so because we are heartily Baptist, because we believe in the priesthood of the believer. Um, we believe in the autonomy of the local church, and those things then dictate doctrinally what we do practically in mm -hmm. our cooperation together. That's also why we're called a convention of churches, not a denomination. Yeah, we're not a denomination. Um, so <laughs> I'm not going to go off on that rail again. So again, the ERLC, just to sort of sum it up, apart from this definition, a, a basic understanding, um, some have said it's a bad definition, um, but you could almost say it, it is the lobbyist arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. The yeah. idea of the existence of the ERLC is to represent to our governmental representatives within our congregation, or, country, constitutional yeah, uh, republic, um, <laughs> to represent to them Southern Baptist interests, right? Yeah. To communicate our belief um, that abortion is is morally reprehensible, and I do believe um, that to be important because Southern Baptists do make up a a large population, you yeah. know, a large percentage. That's so. A, 
it's a well-represented group here. It, it is in the name what they exist to do. They they fight for ethics and as Southern liberty. Baptists understand them, and they fight to preserve religious liberty because that is fundamental. Uh, it's even in our statement of faith addresses religious yeah. liberty. Um, so those things are important. All right. So so those two entities are what we're talking about. At several years ago, um, well, I, I guess really to to boil it down more recently, a year ago about. A, a little after the time of the state convention or the Southern Baptist Convention would have met, um, things sort of come to a head between the executive committee and the ERLC because for several years now there have been some murmurs about um, some Southern Baptists and some Southern Baptist churches being displeased with the work that the ERLC was doing, um, and and in particular, okay, let's just say um, some rival personality differences between some big personalities in the convention, including the leadership at the ERLC, who will just go ahead and name um, is is Russell Moore. Okay, now this is not going to be an hour long diatribe against Russell Moore. That's that's not the idea here. Nor is it going to be an hour long diatribe against um, is it, is it my Mike Stone, who's the head Mike of the ERLC, Stone, or EC, or uh, was it? Well, who's he with? The EC. Sir? EC is he from? Executive I think he. Committee? I think he. Yeah, he was committee. on EC. He's not. He's not any longer on EC, is he? Oh, I don't know. We should probably Google that. You want to pull that up real quick? Just... Um, well, I know that he was on the task force. I don't think he's on the EC anymore. Um, anyway, so I could be mistaken. So, in that. so they develop a task force, okay, to study the ERLC and its effects on the convention. Um, particular in the area of particularly in the area of giving, according to this again eleven page document that I got in front of me, one of their biggest concerns was a drop off in cooperative program giving, and the question was asked and set before the task force to find out if that drop in cooperative program giving could be sort of chalked up to people's general displeasure with the way things were going in the ERLC. Is that yes. is that a fair summary of, of what we're talking about? I think that's a fair summary. Um, and so again, I'm trying to present um, a I, fair I, argument. I, I I realize that some of my uh, I've tipped my hand a little bit. Um, although I hope if you're listening to this for the very first time, or, or even if you're a regular listener, um, that you understand that that my position on this is probably a little different than most other people's. I don't know that I fit squarely into one category or another. Yeah. Um, I certainly wouldn't say that I'm waving the flag of either the executive committee or the ERLC on this one. I think there's things that no, both I, of them should have done very differently. Yes, we'll talk about that. Not only that, I mean, there's there's obvious um, background things that are going on that not everybody's privy to. Sure. Uh, and so and this has been going on for years, right? Yeah, I mean, background things within the EC that you would go, eh, and background things within the ERLC that, uh, again, we would still have pause on those things as well. We'd right. have to stop and say, wait a second, what are you doing? Well, and, and Rick Lance made a good point. We were meeting with him. This has been a couple years ago, maybe more than that now, um, a, a small group of us uh, meeting with him. Uh, you know, We sort of met regularly together, and he came as our guest speaker um, to, to that meeting. And he, he made a comment about, as the political landscape of the United States goes, so goes the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, and he, he's right. I mean, we, we see that all the time. You know, during the Reagan era— in the Southern Baptist Convention, what did you have? You had the conservative resurgence. I mean, right. Uh, and and now, in in the <laughs> most contentious political climate is, in a long, long time. Yeah, this is a very contentious, and not only is it contentious, it's contentious with an added fuel of social media. Right. Uh, and that's why you have uh, armchair theologians and, and armchair critics who 
are, are launching things at different people, both the ERLC and EC. And so what we want to do is try to bring a balanced view where we say there are some issues these weren't quite it. Maybe it's these. Uh, you know, just try to present and, a better picture. Right. And one of the things that both have done wrong, can, can we say it that way? Yeah. Uh, is that they have brought um, the sort of governmental politics to bear on their relationships with one another and their functioning together. So if you look into some of the background behind all of this, behind the existence of the task force, behind what they, what some of them were upset about, what some of the executive committee members were upset about um, in relation to the ERLC, a great deal of it, okay, can, can we be honest, a great deal of it has to do with there are some guys on the executive committee who felt one way politically, and there were some guys in the ERLC who leaned another way politically, and they got mad at each other, and so there's been sort of this rivalry between the two, right? Yes. And so you've allowed United States politics to, to come into that discussion, and some of the rivalry disagreements about which political way we should lean, and which way we should vote, and how we should talk publicly about who we support and don't, a lot of those things played into this, and that's something that I think both of these sides did incorrectly. However, we cannot entirely remove that from the conversation because what does the ERLC exist to do? They're in, I mean, they work with Washington. They work with U.S. politics. That's why they exist, to represent Southern Baptist interests in Washington, For again, for lack of a better definition or lack... That's the definition we'll use, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, I realize there there is what the ERLC would call a better definition on SBC.net, um, but I think the more accurate definition of what Southern Baptists expect for them to do uh, can be summarized in representing Southern Baptist interests in, yeah. and the Southern Baptist ethic and the Southern Baptist demand for religious liberty to those um, representative representatives in Washington, D.C., um, to, to make sure that, that our ethic is spoken for and our religious liberty preserved. Mm-hmm. So so politics has to enter into it somewhere. The problem is that we let political rivalry, specifically about like whose bumper sticker I put on my truck, uh, have to do with um, whether or not we're going to form a task force and who that task force is going to go after and whether or not we're going to cooperate with a task force. And there's clearly some of that underhandedness going on from both sides. I think we have to be honest about that uh, in the first place. Now, some, and I think this was the position of the ERLC um, in in their posture toward the task force, uh, in the task uh, force's report, um, they do say that the ERLC... Uh, held a non-cooperative stance as their official stance of, of non-cooperation with the task force. They did not believe that the task force from the executive committee had any right to come in and ask some of the questions they were asking of the ERLC. And I will also say that I, I think the ERLC um, has done a pretty good job of proving why uh, in this document they they had every reason to to look into some of those things. Um, It it looks like, at least in this, that they've got a pretty clear report from uh, their lawyers um, who combed the bylaws to to consider what is their responsibility and what are their rights uh, in in regards to the RLC. And to sum all this up, uh, and not just to sort of read the document, you can do that for yourself, they... um, I'll read this direct quote. Such actions are not merely the right of the executive committee, but the responsibility of the executive committee. Um, That's from SBC bylaw 18E, appendix three. They read that, studied that, and what they 
uh, considered was that not only did they have the right to come in and ask some of these questions and, and have this task force perform this study, but they had the responsibility to. It was not only under their legal purview as the executive committee, but that they would be doing a disservice to Southern Baptists who they represent to not look into some of these things. And, and you know, a lot of guys our age, we, we probably have some slightly different views than them, but um, the reality is there have been widespread uh, questions about the ERLC, Um a lot of people not pleased with the ERLC, while a lot of people think they might be one of the greatest things we've ever had. Uh, well, but and to represent the Southern Baptists fairly, I think it was their responsibility to. Yeah, I, I mean, to your point, to this, give a report. This doesn't come out of nowhere, right? No, for several it doesn't years, come out of anywhere. For, sev- for several it years, just come out of it doesn't just come out of rivalries between two people. You know, no. Um, uh, so, so let's say in particular. Um, since uh, the Republican primaries narrowed down to basically one or two candidates, okay, in before the prior to the 2016 election, um, the temperature got turned up a lot amongst uh, political conservatives, um, which which you could sort of paint with a fairly broad brush, but still a pretty accurate one, and say that a lot of Southern Baptists consider themselves politically conservative. Uh, and so you already had sort of people lining up behind particular candidates and, and then getting pretty frustrated. The rhetoric got turned up pretty high. We've seen all that. Yeah. If you've watched the news for the past six years, you've seen how that rhetoric has been turned up. You, you know that well, good and well. This is why we said at the convention we may say a resolution about getting off Twitter. But yeah. anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm getting lost in my own thoughts here. But, You're fine. Um, again, to your to your point, this task force doesn't come out of nowhere. Um, it comes because there's been some background issues. There's been some some Southern Baptists expressing some frustration about what the ERLC is doing, what are some of the things that they're saying, what are some of the press releases, and, yeah, specifically, what are some of their interactions on social media. And so the executive committee felt that it was, again, not only their right, but their responsibility to look into it, especially because some of those louder voices, which the squeaky wheel always gets the grease, right? The loudest voices get heard. Um, that's, that's, you know, the sad nature of humanity, including in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, they, the issue of finances and cooperative program giving got added on to this. Yeah. Um, and, and so, uh, again, to, to reference the and report now was again. That, was that because there were states withholding? Well, money. Is that so what so in the in the report, um, they contacted um, the the state boards of missions and their directors to find out more. To that was basically what the task force said about studying. One of the things they said about studying was, is this actually having a significant financial impact on cooperative program giving? I think a lot of that, even in some of their own admissions in this document, um, we could say, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation. There are a lot of reasons that cooperative program giving has gone down. Churches are declining across the United States. Um, Giving has been down, um, especially, you know, in in 2020, a lot of churches are suffering. So their cooperative program giving is suffering because the the tithing from the pews is suffering. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things. But one of the things they found in the survey, uh, the surveys of these state directors of mission or state 
board directors, mm-hmm. when they looked into some of that, as they reported it here, was that, yes, some of their cooperative program contributing churches in their in the states that reported, um, some of the churches said that they were withholding and they weren't they were they were doing designated giving, um, all manner of things to make sure effectively that the ERLC didn't get any of their church's money. Yeah. Um, now, here is where okay, so so the task force then again they consider it not only their right but their responsibility to look into um is the ERLC effectively a danger to the cooperative program? And let's pause for just a second. So, to be fair, um, to to try to have a, as much a non-biased view as we can, what we have to admit that there really is no vast majority outcry against the ERLC. And to claim that there is would be dishonest. Yeah, it's a squeaky wheel gets the grease. But also, to claim that there is no outcry against the ERLC, that that this is just a small group of people getting mad, no, there is a legitimate uh, a legitimate group of people that have an outcry against the ERLC, and they'd like to have it investigated. Without having legitimate statistics on this, my broad guess would be that it is about the same percentage of Southern Baptists um, crying out against the ERLC, maybe even calling calling for its defunding, I would say that percentage of Southern Baptists probably lines up pretty clearly with the percentages of Southern Baptists who are just as militant in support of the ERLC against this and sort of thing. And then there's the group who... And are, then the vast majority are, you know, I need to make up my mind on this. I feel like this is becoming a big issue. I wasn't really concerned about it before, but now it seems like something that could should concern yeah. me. I think that that's where now, if we want to talk about where the vast majority of Southern Baptists are, I think they're probably in that camp that would say, maybe I should read that report and, and you know go back and read some things. I'm not really sure what's been going on here, but now it sounds like something important, so, and, and I need to have an opinion on so this. So a review in that sense would be helpful. Yes. And again, that's where I think that um, the executive committee is within not only its right but its responsibility because if so, well not if because Southern Baptists were not able to convene this past year especially but because we're not able to convene right now we're not convening until Nashville this summer um, Lord willing all these questions are being asked um, who's going to ask the questions who's going to look into it well the body that represents Southern Baptists when not in convention which is the executive committee. Yeah, to try to do that in a two-day period, uh, we would have to wait another year if someone made that motion, or what you know. So you, yeah. So that's the normal way this would work, right? Somebody, yes. somebody on the convention floor has every right to say, um, "I am displeased with the way this Southern Baptist entity is working." And it wouldn't even have to be the ERLC; it could be Southern Seminary. They it could, could be North American Mission. Board. They could, could raise. They could make a motion asking for a task force to look into whether this group was operating in, in accordance with the desires of the Southern Baptist Convention and its definition as a Southern Baptist entity, whether it was hurting cooperative program giving financially. Someone could make that motion from the floor. That motion could receive a second, and then it could be— And, could, and honestly, a good Southern Baptist, I, I think, would say, you know what, I support that entity, but— I want to know. Allow a review. Yeah. You know, if this settles an issue— and they they have no findings, there should be no problem. Just, yeah, sure, review. Okay. So knowing that that could be done, but knowing that we're not in convention now, nor did we have the ability to be in convention this past year, 
it is within the purview of the executive committee to take that action. Yeah. Um, again, I think their lawyers do a pretty good job of making that case in this 11-page document. Um, and I think just from a principled viewpoint as a Southern Baptist, you can say, hey, I, I feel like enough stuff is stirring right now. Some Southern Baptist messenger should have, should have made this motion because we didn't have the chance. I'm glad the executive committee did it. Now, to go back on the other side of things, yeah. um, I... I I don't think that all the motivations to do this were above board. No, I, I, I really don't, don't. I think that there was a lot of personal rivalry. I think that there was a lot of... A lot of it came from hashtag never Trump. Yeah. Uh, I, that kind of stuff. Both sides of that hashtag. Both sides, yeah. yes. I think that there were some guys in the executive committee who were more pro-Trump than the ERLC appeared to be, and they were upset about that. And, and so, yeah, I think there was some political and, rivalry and I mean, there's, going on. There are notes in there that say things about not openly opposing political candidates and things like that. Yeah, and we'll get um, to some of that. Yeah, in, not in, today. In, we only have about 30 more minutes. But, oh, okay. Uh, I'm but on yeah, page so, two. <laughs> so I'm still sitting on page one. Uh, but yeah, so were there some issues in how this was approached? Absolutely. Um, are there issues in not... Do you think there are some issues with not um, complying with the review? Not being, uh, what did you call it? I can't even remember the term now. Uh, 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 a stance of non-cooperation? Yeah, non-cooperation. I, yeah, I think so. Because I think, in in my understanding of SBC politics, now listen, I, I'm not an SBC politician. Um, the, the most involved I have ever been is within our local association serving as moderator and president of the pastor's conference. Like, you know, so... so and loving Robert's Rules of Order. I, I, I do love Robert's Rules of Order, but that's why, I, you know, don't turn it down if, if they ever vote me in as moderator because, you know, I, I like Robert's Rules of Order, not just because <laughs> I, I'm named after them. I'm not really. We just share a name. Um, but Is that I'm not his last name? Way off the rails. Uh, Rules of Order? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> His name is Robert Rules of Order. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I, I don't remember what we were talking about now. Okay. In the spirit of things, okay? Again, as a guy who... I, listen, guys, if you're listening and you're a, a New Orleans seminary grad, I have the same giant blue cinder block of a book on my shelf um, that that described that all of us had to you know suffer through and read. All of us had to take that same class at New Orleans Seminary. I don't um, know why you said suffer through, but keep going. <laughs> um so, yeah, I have the same basic understanding of Southern Baptist polity that, that all of us sort of share because we all is took the same right class. I'm sure it's right behind me. We're not going to read it. Um, I'm not <laughs> even going to reference it. I don't want to look at it right now. In the basic spirit of things, um, I don't remember your original question. Do you think there was an issue with the non Yeah, in, in, in the basic spirit of things, I think telling the executive committee so telling the executive committee's task force is that you're not going to cooperate and not is the same effectively as telling the executive committee that you're not going to cooperate with the task force's job, which in the spirit of things in the organization of the Southern Baptist Convention to me says that the ERLC said that they're not going to cooperate with me. Yeah, so... And more than me, my, my church members. I think the danger here, because it is such a, uh, a heated debate among those involved in this, um, those in support of the ERLC um, have deemed this, you know, just uh, just an offense, something that should never have been done, yeah. but 
you know, if and this I were, hear let's some say of this that. was some other entity that's not so politically charged. Let's say that they wanted to investigate, let's say New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, just like you referenced. Um, and let's say they had some reasons they'd like to review them. I don't know any Southern Baptist, you know, offhand that would go, absolutely not. They can't review that. Well, but this is such a charged issue. Don't we still exist because Southern Baptist told the seminaries they had to do exactly that? Yes. During the conservative resurgence, that they had to have these kind of reviews because we started asking. Now I'm getting heated because we we started (laughs) we started asking or, you know, faithful Southern Baptists started asking, hey, why when I send this sweet little pastoral intern off to seminary, does he come back in four years, a raging theological liberal who questions even the, 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 Trinity. the integrity and inerrancy of the Bible itself? Yeah. What is happening down there at, at the seminary? And they start asking questions, and those questions demand answers, and those answers necessitate changes. And that's why we still exist as a Southern Baptist Convention, because of the conservative resurgence. Okay, but now, because this is so charged, now I think the this other is thing, such a controversial thing. I think being this many years removed from the southern or from the conservative resurgence yeah you can look and say okay some of those guys that were politically motivated they maybe had some underhanded techniques there but were the, the broad spirit of things we would agree now was was uh, was used of god to preserve the last standing bastion of biblical conservatism um in american christendom we've called it that before yep. yeah um so, yeah, was there some underhandedness? Yeah. Were there probably some big personalities that didn't like each other? Yeah. I think there's—was there even some sinfulness from from both sides? Oh, yeah. For sure. You don't have to look very hard to see that. I mean, we're a convention full of sinners. Yeah. yeah. Um, and is this happening right now with this review? Yeah. I think so, yeah. on both sides. Yeah. There are people, like you said, who could handle it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on from that— we we have a review. <laughs> we have about twenty five minutes. Okay. Do you want to cover so, part of it? Well, so so let's ask the next big question, I guess, before okay. we dive into some of the the details of this. Um. A lot of because the finances were brought into it, the executive committee then had uh, what was clearly a substantiated reason to to get into this, at least from their lawyer's perspective, in looking at the bylaws. Much of that um, was partnered with a call to defund the ERLC. Mm-hmm. We've been hearing that for a couple years now. Quite a few. Years. Um, to either it was either a, a demand for a change in leadership. We'll probably talk more about that in a later episode. Um, and or a, um, a a call to defund this entity. And if we didn't, def- like if the Southern Baptist Convention didn't defund this entity, certain churches were going to make sure that they defunded it by designating their giving instead of giving through the cooperative program anymore. That's where a lot of the, f- the financial stuff comes in that, yeah. that w- we'll get to a, a little later and that we've touched on a little bit already. Um, I, I don't think that that is a legitimate way to punish. I don't even think we should be in the business of punishing Southern Baptist entities. Yeah, no. Asking them to uh, review their their own mission statement, asking them to be sure that they're in line with their mission and vision and the definition of their existence, all those things I think are appropriate. Um, Saying that we need to defund an entity is because we're upset about what they're doing. 
is at best underhanded and at worst sinful. Yeah, well, so let's take it and put it on the local church level. How would you feel if someone says, I don't like that uh, student ministry, uh, and so I'm going to designate all my funds to what most people do, the building fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, they begin to designate things for those. You have people do this in local churches all the time, and pastors bemoan those things, yeah, saying that that's wrong, that's sinful, that's unethical for you to do that. And then the same pastor's threatening to do that with the ERLC yes. on a denominational so level. we need to be level. consistent mm-hmm. uh, and... Has defunding really ever worked? Like, have 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 we seen that work before? I mean, I I, I don't know. In, in Southern Baptist life, I, I think that this is all really unprecedented. I mean, yeah. I'd have to go back and read some more Baptist history. I don't know that we've ever defunded an entity. I think we've added entities. I don't know that we've defunded one because we were mad at it. Yeah. But I I do think that it, and this is where I think I I I maybe maybe I'm the founding member of a third camp. Um, because I'm not waving the flag of, of defund the ERLC, nor am I right now waving the flag of the ERLC. No. I do think it's a legitimate question to ask whether or not the ERLC still has a place for existence. Yeah. And I'm not asking that question because I'm angry. L- let me explain where I'm coming from with that. If the spirit of the existence of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission... Again, which I don't think is summarized very well in its current definition, but which I think is the general spirit of the entity as the average Southern Baptist expects it should work, is to represent Southern Baptist political interests in the political arena. Uh, is that a fair synopsis of what the average Southern Baptist should expect from the ERLC? If that's not what it is, it's what it should be. Okay. <laughs> so so that, that yeah. much is fair, that... that, that you know, average Southern Baptist Jim should be able to expect that that's what the ERLC does for him, is they yeah. represent his interests as a Southern Baptist in Washington. If we to are political a cooperative players. program, that's how it should work. Okay. We have heard now for roughly six years, especially since the convention, was it in Dallas? When Mike Pence came and addressed the convention, I wasn't there, so I don't. I wasn't there either. I can't remember what city that was in. Anyway, that's where a lot of this really came to a head for a lot of people, who said, "You cannot boil down Southern Baptists to GOP Republicans." Yeah, you can't do it. Um, clearly, by then. The political climate in our country because of the 2016 election and all that that ran up to it. And a lot of Southern Baptists were involved from a lot of different angles on different teams, so to speak. Yeah. The political climate was contentious is a soft word for for how the political climate It had really been been building up before 16. Um, But yeah, so it, it was reaching a boiling point. So there then began and I think still continues, this very clear discussion of you can't label all Southern Baptists GOP Republicans. Mm -hmm. I I hear you. I I see you, brother. I read you on Twitter. Okay, I, I know where you're coming from. I understand that you are not a Trump voter, not a GOP Republican. Okay, check. Got it stored away, locked away. I understand your position. And I understand that if the ERLC or, or, or if Southern Baptists as a whole 
um, can't be described just as GOP Republicans, then it would be unfair for us to expect that the ERLC as an entity would just go lockstep in with GOP Republicans. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, I, I think that if you're going to ask an entity to exist for the purpose of representing the political interests of our Southern Baptist Convention in the political arena, and you can no longer surmise what are the average political convictions of the average Southern Baptist, then I don't think the ERLC can effectively do its job, at least in as much as I think that job should exist from the perspective of the average Southern Baptist. Yeah. I don't know if, if what I'm saying makes any sense No, that at makes all. sense. Um, if... Southern Baptists. How can you represent something that you can't get a good representation of? If Southern Baptists are 99% GOP voting Republicans, then the ERLC can, you know, put the the star-spangled elephant on its logo, right? (laughs) If 99% of Southern Baptist Convention church members are card-carrying Democrat voters. Star-spangled donkey? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Put it in the logo. Now, what's the logo? It's a star-spangled crown, right? Because we represent kingdom interests. Mm-hmm. The problem is that when, when you as an entity are seeking to represent what we call kingdom interests in the political arena, that, that's all well and good. We as Southern Baptists should have kingdom interests. But in a political season where now we're going to decide, okay, we're going to sort of denounce this policy, we're going to even denounce this politician, we're going to support this policy, but then we might even support this politician. Uh, You know, some of those accusations that are out there, you read some of the social media posts, you can read some of them explicitly, you have to read into some of them a little more. Maybe, you know, you take this feeling or that feeling or this temperature or that temperature. Can you really say... If I can't put my finger on the pulse of where Southern Baptists are politically anymore, can you really then expect an entity to do that? Because, I, again, I realize I'm talking myself in circles, and I'm I'm trying to. You're making sense. I'm, Just keep rolling. With I'm it. trying to verbalize what what's going on in my head. A Republican voter who is a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. Let's say he has a list of 100 convictions that he believes are kingdom convictions. And let's say that out of those 100, he looks and 75 75 of his 100 line up with the party platform of the GOP. And then I have another brother who has 100 things that he sees are um, kingdom convictions. And 75 of his 100 line up with the Democratic Party, so he votes Democrat. That's fine, right? We're, we're brothers in Christ. A lot of those are going to be tertiary issues, whatever, right? We can even still go to the same church. Um, the, the issue, though, then, is that the Republican brother and the Democratic brother, who both are seeking to share kingdom views and operate from a kingdom ethic, have arrived at some things that they believe are king of kingdom importance that they don't agree on. Yeah. 
if 75% of what I believe is important to the kingdom lines up with the GOP and 75% of what some other guy believes there is of kingdom importance lines up with the Democratic Party, then somewhere in the middle, we've got a lot of percentage of disagreement about what we believe the kingdom principles are. So how in the world is an entity like the ERLC supposed to convey in the political arena... This is what Southern Baptists This think. is what Southern Baptists be- believe to be of kingdom importance if we don't even all agree on what's of kingdom importance anymore. And, and also, just so we're clear, on Twitter it's not called kingdom importance. It's called gospel issues. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's, that's exactly that's the to term. the point. What is a gospel issue? What's, what isn't a yeah, gospel issue? Yeah, and that's what you see right now is... is bickering over what is and isn't gospel issues and some people's um sacred cows their their soapbox issues they'll label it a gospel issue and you go wait what well and here's the other thing that happens right we may say two things are gospel issues and they may oppose one another (laughs) they may oppose one another or we may rank them differently yeah we may say that one is you know, one becomes of, of of higher importance than the other in the way that it affects my vote. Yeah. And that clearly happened in 2016 and 2020, that mm-hmm. there were issues that, 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 that Southern Baptists said, this is a gospel issue and this is a gospel issue issue, excuse me, but because because this gospel issue is so important to me, I'm going to vote this way. And this other Southern Baptist said, I agree with you that that's a, a, a kingdom issue, that's a gospel issue, but so is this, and I believe this is more important, so I'm voting that way. If that's how divided the Southern Baptist Convention is politically, then and how? that's okay, yeah. yeah, we exist in our in our diversity as Southern Baptists. But how then can you expect an entity to represent those kingdom issues in Washington? Yes, um, some of those issues are going to be all the same for us, but our our order of our ordering of them and our ranking of them, and maybe even our agreement or disagreement about who represents those things well in Washington. How then is the ERLC supposed to supposed to to do that? Um, I I think then that that that's going to necessitate several things, maybe right. Um, you, you're either going to have to say this is an impossible task that we've with which we have saddled the ERLC. It's just it's a task they can't complete. We're we're destining them to fail at the responsibility we've given them because we don't agree mm-hmm. on what our political leanings are, even from a kingdom perspective. So how can we expect this entity to? Um, say something here because I'm not really sure. Trying, where I'm trying going. to figure out how to word this. <laughs> yeah. So I, what we what we have is is the ERLC, in some ways, has been placed in an impossible situation. Yes. Where no one in can which, be pleased. Right. So in which we've done a disservice to them. Yes. Or, so we either need to say, okay, we've put them in an impossible situation. We've got one of two solutions. Either we tell them, listen, guys, it's just not working anymore. You guys don't have to worry about doing this. It's 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 a failed endeavor we're sending you into, so, so we're just not going to consider this an important job of an entity anymore. Or we have to redefine what the entity does, which brings us back to the very first thing we said, and I guess this, where, this is where we'll end this particular episode, and then we'll get back to the rest of this 11-page document for you know eight more episodes after this. Yeah. Um, we've got to redefine what the job of the ERLC is. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder if that's what we've done. And if it is, I think we've done it in the wrong way. Yeah. Because as I read that definition on SBC.net, what it sounds like, and again, I, I don't know, I wasn't, in, I wasn't in on that meeting. Nobody called and asked me how the ERLC should be defined and what its mission should be. But when I read that definition, as an average Southern Baptist pastor, okay, mm-hmm. I, I think I represent the average pastor in the SBC of a normative-sized church. Yeah. I think I I think I can call myself SBC Joe, okay? I'm yeah. just your average Southern Baptist in an average Southern Baptist church. When I read that, I don't see that the ERLC exists to make sure that those kingdom principles are being communicated in Washington and represented because that's what we believe as Southern Baptists. I see in that definition that those kingdom principles have to be communicated to me, that I need to hear from the ERLC what are the kingdom convictions I should hold, and that frightens me. As it should. I I think that that's backwards of where it should be. Now again, the other side of that is, I think that we have placed the ERLC in a lot of ways in an impossible position to do an impossible task. Yeah. The political climate is contentious. I wonder even, you know, the other side of that, I wonder if you actually did a survey of every single Southern Baptist about their political leanings, if it would really be quite as divided as sometimes we talk about, or if it might be a little more lopsided than we think. Maybe it's not 50-50, maybe not even 60-40, maybe not even 70-30, maybe it's like 90-10. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be an interesting survey to see. It would, because I think that would give us some perspective about, you know, uh, what political leanings are, are so around then, the SBC. Okay, let's let's talk about that then. So let's say that if you were to offer up a solution to this, would that be one of them? Is let's do a, a vast polling of the churches to ask them where they stand on certain issues and, and have them fill out something. Says I stand yeah, on to these at least issues. Get a, well, listen, I, I think I think you either have to tell the ERC, listen, guys, we saddled you with an, an impossible task. You can't do it, and that's not your fault. We're really sorry about putting you in that position, but you know we'll, we'll find something else for you guys to do because this just isn't working. It's an impossible task because politically we're so divided we can't expect you to represent our political beliefs. Or you've got to redefine what they do, and that, again, if that definition becomes... Um, instead of us representing Southern Baptists to the political realm, which we've said is an impossible task if we're this divided, now we're going to represent um, kingdom uh, kingdom priorities from the political realm and how the political realm relates to those things back to Southern Baptists to help us know how we should think about things politically um, based on kingdom principles. I think that that's backwards from what the SBC Mm-hmm. how it values everything and, and our understanding of priesthood of the believer and the autonomy of the local church. But then, yeah, the only other solution, if there is a third way to make this work, is to find out what does the average Southern Baptist believe are kingdom issues and make sure that the ERLC is representing those. Yeah. Now, is that task any less impossible? I don't know, man. Yeah, well, you know, all results can be skewed. I wouldn't want to write that survey. No, I wouldn't want to write the survey, and, and I, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to be, be a part of the team carrying it out. I wouldn't want to be on the, the guy charged with, you know, filling out the spreadsheet either. Like, God, that would be a <laughs> massive spreadsheet. Um, so, yeah, we've we've really arrived at no solution. Thanks for listening. And <laughs> <laughs> um, Listen, 
I, I realize that I've got some dear brothers who I, who I love very dearly who may love me a little bit less by now if they ever listen to this, which they may not. They may have turned it off a long time ago if they listened at all. Um, my goal here is not to side, again, with the task force or with the ERLC. No. My goal is to say I, I think a lot of this is a mess, but I think that if I comb through this 11-page document, I've read through it pretty carefully. There's some stuff here where I go, eh, executive committee, y'all, y'all a little off here. There's some other stuff I read, and I said, yeah, I'm not really sure I, I'm liking what the ERLC is doing there. Uh, and there's some stuff that's, you know, I, I think there's some compelling things here. Yeah. Um, I think there's, I think there's some sinfulness. I think there's some rivalry. I, I think all those things, some underhandedness that that brought it to us. But I think that now that it's here. It's it's worth your read. It's worth your time. It's worth you looking through it, and it's worth you asking: Is what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention? Are things flow in the direction they're supposed to flow? Because that's the other thing, and and, and I, I realize I'm probably repeating myself eight times here, but that I think that's the takeaway from episode one that we need to take, and that is that we ought to be asking of all of our entities, executive committee included. Are they fulfilling their responsibility of representing Southern Baptists and listening to what the average Southern Baptist is saying and taking their directives? Yeah. Have we remembered that we are the upside-down pyramid with that grassroots kind of structure where the average man or woman in the pew of my Southern Baptist church is the one dictating what's going on in our entities, not our entities telling them what they must do and what they must believe and all such things. We've got to make sure in all areas, not only to make sure that the ERLC is representing the average Southern Baptist, but listen, the executive committee exists to operate in the stead of the average Southern Baptist. So let's make sure they're doing it too. And here's the other thing. And this is revolutionary. You ready for this? I just figured out how we fix this problem. If local churches would send messengers to the Southern Baptist Convention to represent their church, Mm -hmm. pack the house, people. Uh, You know, and I'm not saying pack the house in in favor of one or the other. No, if but you be want a part an accurate picture, if you want to, if you want an accurate picture, be a part of the process. Pack the house, vote. Mm-hmm. Vote, uh, you know, come to the Southern Baptist Convention, be involved, mm-hmm. um, spend some time, yes, in the exhibit hall, but be be involved in the important matters. Uh, and Listen, I think that's, this, you know, it's it's crazy. It seems that that's how this was set up to work. This podcast has zero effect or influence on what goes down in Nashville. But, right. but the messengers you send from your church are the process of how things go down in Nashville. Yeah, so if if your church feels the same way you do, send messengers. If your church doesn't feel the same way you do, send messengers. I mean, listen, I realize we we may have seemed like we were you know pro or against or this side or that side of this issue but listen we're wrestling with these things the same way that you are you don't have to have um your your mind made up and your flag made out um to to go and wave at the SBC about you know which which side of this report you stand on all all you've got to do is show up to be part of the process. Ask right. questions, get questions answered, make motions that sound ridiculous just to get some conversation started. Have meetings in the exhibit hall and then go in to vote. Read the documents and the motions that are made um, and and presented to you, and 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 be part of that process. And listen, um, you want to come on the podcast and and talk about those things with us? Be We're going to be at the SBC, yeah. so come join us. Why not? Yeah. All right. Um, listen. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I several flipped, more episodes. I flipped over to page three, but we're, we're not even that far. Uh, the upside down pyramid thing comes back in um, very particularly. We will talk about some of the particular grievances uh, against the RLC. Some of the particular grievances that I have with the executive committee and and the task force and the way that they handled this. We got a lot more to address on here. I I didn't touch to, I didn't touch 98% of my notes in here. Um, most of them occur on the Which the is good because we're usually trying to figure out episode themes. Yeah. So we've so got one that's going to last a while. For a while. We may be talking about this all the way up until we go to Nashville. But um, listen, I hope that this has been helpful and not just an opportunity to listen to Robert rant uh, and, and think through things. But that's a lot of what I've been doing is, is thinking out loud, <laughs> trying to think through some of these things. Um, and, and hopefully you're doing the same. Uh, it, it, it matters if you're part of the process uh, in Nashville. So with that, see you in Nashville, fellas. Bye.